Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Skyrocketing gas prices, utter embarrassment overseas, and an ineffectual president who seems incapable of preventing any of this. Where have we heard this story before? Eight months into the Biden presidency, and it's already feeling like the late 1970s. All we need is some disco on the radio. We might start confusing Joe Biden with Jimmy Carter. Only, maybe Jimmy Carter was better, actually. Smarter, more capable, as terrifying as that is. We'll take a look at the startling similarities between the 39th president and the 46th in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. The hits keep on coming for the whole country, not just for the Biden regime, this White House, this administration. It has been rough these first eight or so months of the Biden presidency. Things have not actually gotten better. They have not normalized. They haven't improved the way that we were told they would. In fact, in many key areas, the border, crime, inflation, uh, overseas situations the U.S. is involved in, most notably Afghanistan, but there are others as well, things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. Oh, and gas prices. Since we're talking about Jimmy Carter and, uh, and Joe Biden, I think we should take a look at how Gas prices have gotten a lot worse. In fact, we now have a Biden telling OPEC that they need to increase oil output, just like, you know, back in the day. So today, my director of the economic, the National Economic Council has asked the chair of the Federal Trade Commission to use every available tool to monitor the U.S. gasoline market and address any illegal conduct that might be, connect, might be contributing to price increases of the pump while the cost of barrel oil is going down. We also made clear to OPEC, the major oil exporting nations of the world, that the production cuts made during the pandemic should be reversed as the global, economic, as the global economy recovers in order to lower prices for consumers. Hmm. You do get the sense sometimes, right, that Joe Biden and the people in this White House don't even really understand supply and demand or basic economics. Uh, they certainly don't understand that some of the decisions that were made, particularly in the early days of this Biden administration, about things like canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, kicking off uh, federal land uh, oil drilling that could be adding to our domestic supply. I mean, we, we essentially achieved domestic energy independence 
And the Biden administration comes in and says, we want to give it back. So what do they do? Or, you know, get rid of it, really. So what do they also do? They blame OPEC. Here's Jen Psaki telling everybody, oh, it's, it's OPEC's fault that the gas prices are high. They're being anti-competitive. The mm -hmm. White House is pressing uh, OPEC to produce more oil. Have you gotten a response from Saudi Arabia about that request? So this is not meant to be for immediate response necessarily. It's meant to be uh, long-term engagement, uh, consistent long-term engagement as we work to address not just anti-competitive behavior in the United States, but in the global marketplace as well, and also taking steps that we feel are prudent to keep gas prices down for the American public. Mm. Oh, so it's, it's, it's OPEC's fault all of a sudden. How many times did you hear Trump when gas, first of all, gas prices weren't spiking under Trump, most importantly, but turning around and blaming OPEC for that situation. It seems a bit strange, does it? seems unlikely to be uh, something that, well, if you really understood energy markets in this country and wanted Americans to have lower energy bills, and also just for the overall lubrication of the economy, which is what the energy sector does, it allows us to have a modern economy, you'd think that maybe this White House would back off us on the ideological Green New Deal climate change insanity that pushes bad decisions that push oil prices up. But no, instead they blame OPEC. By the way, OPEC says they see no need to meet the U.S. call for more supply. So they're actually not going to do it. But the OPEC distraction right now shouldn't take, us, uh, take our attention away from the fact that Joe Biden, even back in March of 2020, was saying he was going to end some domestic oil drilling. Here's what he said. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. And he's tried to put much of that into effect. Well, it turns out when you limit U.S. supply, when you make U.S. suppliers think that they're going to have higher costs of operation, more regulation, all kinds of problems and challenges, you have a tighter oil market, prices go up, and with that, people feel the pain at the pump, which has certainly been the case in this Biden administration, right? Oh, but that's not the only place where, you know, they blame OPEC. He's also finding ways to try to blame other people for other catastrophes, like the Afghanistan evacuation. Here's President Biden saying, oh, yeah, he inherited this one from Trump. So, you know, it's Trump's fault. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. U.S. forces had already drawn down during the Trump administration from roughly 15,500 American forces to 2,500 troops in country. And the Taliban was at its strongest militarily since 2001. First of all, can't, can't he just say Taliban? The Taliban, I mean, Joe Biden, you know, you're, you're Arabic, you're Pashto, you're Dari. Uh, I'm sure not very strong, but anyway. Uh, the idea that he inherited this from Trump and therefore it's Trump's fault is absurd. Even some of, uh, even some of the Biden administration's cheerleaders uh, with their pom-poms out, high on that list would be uh, Joe Scarborough, of course, conservative, no Republican, formerly, whoever pays him the most to be on TV, that's what he is. But even he's out there saying, oh, yeah, this is kind of a crappy administration so far. Here's uh, Joe Scarborough. 
Let's 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 talk about uh, the mess right now that I think the Democrats are facing, uh, and it's so early. I mean, really, we have a year and a half until the election, uh, but. Uh, if Democrats want to know what they're going to be facing, I let, let's talk about it right now. Because if I were a Republican running, I would say Democrats can't protect us across the world. Democrats can't protect our street. And Democrats can't protect us at the border. All because that's true and obvious. Even obvious to Joe. All right, with the fall of Kabul and the desperate rush of thousands trying to flee Afghanistan, some are comparing this to the fall of Saigon and the end of the Vietnam War. Up next, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury Monica Crowley is going to explain why the comparison is more apt than many people realize. But first, let's talk about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you've ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation right now. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward, and their system flat out works. I know because I'm using it. It allows everyday, hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't possibly tell you in strong enough terms during this 60-second commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate, where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail. Everything that I went through from picking the city, getting the actual house, the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get that free cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Monica Crowley joins us in just a moment. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese Army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comparable. But it is comparable. The fall of Kabul will likely be remembered as a very dark moment in American history, burned into our national consciousness as the fall of Saigon to the North Vietnamese Army was in 1975. It appears America, well, hasn't really learned everything that it needs to hear. In a piece in The Spectator entitled Saigon and Kabul, what would Nixon say? Former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury Monica Crowley writes, quote, there are obvious differences between Vietnam and Afghanistan, not least of which is the ideological nature of the enemies. But there are enough similarities between the catastrophic endings to both military engagements that historical analogies are appropriate. The fall of Saigon to the communists taught us, or should have, that how we exit matters as much as how we fight. Joining me now to talk about this is Monica Crowley. Monica, thanks so much for being with us. You worked for President Nixon in the last years of his life, and you say that his perspective would have been really valuable here. What do you think he'd be saying about the situation in Afghanistan? I think Nixon would be apoplectic at the images, the scenes that we're seeing come out of Kabul right now. 
After all, you go through experiences in life or as a nation in order to learn from them. And you're supposed to, if you're smart enough and wise enough, you're supposed to learn from the negative experiences even more than the positive ones. Nixon used to say all the time, why did we go through the crisis of Vietnam and the way it ended if we weren't gonna learn anything from it as a nation? So I think President Nixon, who was not president at the time of the fall of Saigon, he resigned the year before, but he and Henry Kissinger had negotiated the 1973 Paris Peace Accords to negotiate a peace with honor out of Vietnam. And of course, the whole thing fell apart when the Democrats in Congress undercut the military effort by stopping all of the funding. They pulled the rug out from our troops, and that's why you saw those catastrophic images of our personnel being evacuated from the roof of, of our embassy. What you didn't want to see was history repeating itself all these years later, and yet here we are. So I think President Nixon would have been outraged by the fact that there was no plan. President Trump had a plan. Joe Biden, if he didn't like the plan, could have adopted a new plan. But instead, what President Biden did was just throw it all out the window, had no plan to evacuate American civilians, tens of thousands of whom are still in Afghanistan. Whatever happened to leaving no man behind? This is an outrage. It is a cataclysm. And like Vietnam, Buck, it is going to echo through decades to come. Now, Joe Biden hasn't been in office quite far back enough that he would have been uh, doing, you know, his work in the Senate during the Nixon era, at least if my math is correct here. He doesn't go quite that no, far no, back, actually, but pretty close. Actually, can I correct you? Can I correct you? Yes. He was actually yes. in the Senate and voted to pull the funding from our war effort in Vietnam. So not only did he help to pull the rug out and, and deliver a catastrophic ending to the Vietnam War, but now all these years later, he's doing the exact same thing in Afghanistan. Well, thank you for correcting my math. Like, apparently he was, which is stunning. So back in, so we're talking, Biden was voting for this, what, back in the mid-1970s? Correct. That's unbelievable. So he managed to mess up the end of Vietnam by his actions as an elected official in the Senate, and now he's managing to mess up the end of Afghanistan uh, with this clear debacle that's playing out before us. When people talk about the Biden administration looking weak now, diminished on, on the world stage, you know, you were a senior minister, administration official in the Trump administration. I, I won't get in the juxtaposition right now. Maybe I'll ask about that in a second. But when we look at what this means going forward, some people say, oh, is this just rhetoric about foreign policy? Why should, put aside for a moment the Americans in harm's way, we're just talking here about America's reputation in the world, world standing. Why does it matter when that's diminished under administration like the Biden administration? Well, you know, we've seen this repeatedly with weak presidents, whether it's Jimmy Carter or Barack Obama, and now with Joe Biden, that when they demonstrate weakness on the world stage, it is incredibly damaging to America's power, prestige, and credibility. Everybody knows that the United States is a hyperpower militarily, diplomatically, politically, culturally. But the most valuable thing when you're going into any kind of military in intervention is moral leadership, moral vision. And so when you have a president who's just bugging out of town, whether it's in Vietnam 
whether it's now in Afghanistan, it sends a signal to all of America's adversaries around the world that it's essentially open season, that they can behave however they want, and the retribution is going to be little to none. And what that does, weakness is a, is a provocation. Weakness invites instability and conflict. And that's what we're going to see more of. We saw it in the immediate aftermath of Vietnam. We saw it when President Obama decided to do a, a, a whole range of things. Benghazi comes to mind, but hollowing out our military as well. Whenever you have a weak American president who is the symbol for the country, America's enemies know that they are likely to act against our interests with impunity. And so I fear for America, American citizens, both here and abroad, and I worry for our allies as well, because under this incredibly weak, decrepit president, Buck, we know that there is not going to be any kind of retaliatory action. Monica, I just want to know your sense of whether watching this uh, former President Trump feels even more push and perhaps even more compelled to throw his hat in the ring again and try to defeat Biden in the, in, for the benefit of the country in his mind. Uh, do you think that that's part of the thought process here? I do, I do. It's gotta be incredibly frustrating for President Trump. It's very frustrating for those of us who served in the administration, spent all of those years trying to get the United States back on track militarily, economically, politically, culturally, and the rest. And to see in seven short months the weakness of President Biden just throwing it all out the window and reversing all of those gains. It's frustrating for us. I can only imagine how President Trump feels. I think it will be a motivating factor for him. And you know what? Buck, if he decides to do it, he doesn't really have to campaign. All he has to do is put up the comparison of the four years of the Trump years of relative peace and incredible prosperity to what we are experiencing during the Biden years. That's all he has to do. And the answer is, is right there for all the American people to see. Monica, great piece in The Spectator. Thanks so much for joining us here. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. We'll have more Hold the Line after the break, but I want to talk to you about my friends at My Digital Money first. Everybody wants to invest in crypto these days, but it's not easy to get started. That's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that'll answer your phone call and help you get started. Because your comfort and security is their absolute top priority, they offer an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market without risking your money. And with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies, this might be the best time to get into this exciting technology-based investment in a long time. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals that have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a person, not just a number. Absolutely essential. Check them out today at MyDigitalMoney.com. Again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. And we'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. 
So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security recently published an advisory on current terrorism threats. Among those mentioned were grievances over public health, safety measures, and government restrictions. Uh, yeah. What does it say about the current state of America? Well, that if you choose to speak out against the government, uh, you could be listed as a potential threat. Here's what NBC's Homeland Security correspondent Pete Williams had to say about the ongoing national terrorism threat we currently face. A new terror alert has been issued by Homeland Security tonight. Pete Williams is here. Pete, what do we know about this? Well, DHS says this new terrorism advisory is not based on any actual threats or plots, but it says there's a rise in anti-government rhetoric. Some of it is opposition to COVID public health rules like mask and vaccine measures. Some calls for violent action are based on claims of election fraud or a belief that Donald Trump can be reinstated. And DHS says the coming 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and religious holidays later this year could be catalysts for violence. The more this continues, my friends, the more we begin to see the mainstream media and the Biden administration hit the panic button because people with common sense are waking up. Here with me now is the host of the Matt Walsh podcast. Matt Walsh, good to see you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. So you spoke out in uh, Tennessee recently at a school board meeting. Uh, just tell everybody, because there were some in favor of the school mask mandates and some opposed, obviously you among them. Uh, what, did you, what did you say and what did you hear when you were at this front line of the school mask battle? Yeah, I, my, my point was just to uh, try to inject a little bit of sanity and common sense and, and maybe some perspective into you know, this, this debate over masks. Um, and I, I found that there was, I already knew there was a lot of that missing from, from the debate, but at the school board meeting, that, that became even more clear because you know, there were a lot of uh, pro-mask parents there and the school board had already instated the mask mandate before this meeting, they had uh, the, the, the week before they had met privately and decided they were gonna do this. And then they had the meeting uh, after that. But there were a lot of parents getting up there and sort of tearfully thanking the school board for imposing the mask mandate. And many of them were, were quite terrified that, uh, that a, you know, a, a child student exposing their, indecently exposing their nose and mouth might uh, be a threat to their children. And it's just uh, to totally irrational. So that's the point I tried to make when I spoke. I only had three minutes, but you know, when you when you compare the the uh, threat that COVID poses to kids against many other kinds of threats, including you know the flu, for example, it uh, you, you see how how small and how minor that threat really is, which is something we should be grateful for. But instead, it's like you know there are a lot of parents who don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe that their kids are actually pretty safe as far as COVID goes. That's pretty stunning that there are adults who would show up at a meeting like that in tears because of their belief that children are at so much risk from COVID, considering the data is overwhelming and obvious and has been all along. 
that that's not true. But as you can see, Matt, there are measures being taken by cities in many places across the country, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New Orleans, where they're saying there's some version of vaccine passports as well as indoor mask mandates, depending on the place. I mean, New York City Mayor de Blasio just clarified ID must also be shown along with proof of vaccination. So now people have to have proper ID to be vaccinated and they must have matching ID at all times to enter restaurants and all indoor venues in New York City. I just understand if voter ID is racist for vote, how is this not racist, especially in a city like New York, where you have uh, for the African-American population in New York City, a majority overall are unvaccinated and something like 70, uh, 70 percent close to that of those under 40 are unvaccinated. So why isn't that racist? Yeah, just one of the many contradictions and double standards we've got from this, from the left, uh, in, in, you know, in, in reference to the COVID measures. I mean, another big one is, you know, when it comes to masking, they've kind of thrown all of their my body, my choice language out the window. And then with the IDs, whether it's racist or not, the fact is they tell us that to get a to get an ID to vote is um, whether you're white or black, it's it's a it's cumbersome. You know, because we're even told, well, what about rural Americans? And, you know, they, they can't find a way. Kamala Harris was talking about that a few weeks ago. It must be so difficult because they don't have, uh, you know, they don't have those fancy photocopiers to make to make copies of their ID. So that's cumbersome. But, but that's, you know, there, there's a presidential election once every four years. And so you got four years if you want to vote a presidential election to figure out some way to get an ID. Some, if you could just four years to plan for it and execute that plan, um, as opposed to, right, vaccine passports and how all the identification that you need just to live your daily life on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so it doesn't make any sense how that wouldn't be at least as cumbersome as getting an ID to vote. It makes no sense at all. Matt, I know you're a Tennessee resident and as a state because it's redder than some of the states like New York and California that have had the most extreme measures. You're perhaps a, a better off there and also in Texas and Florida, some other places across the country. But now, as I'm sure you've seen, the Biden administration is discussing mandating COVID-19 vaccines for interstate travel. Uh, they're worried that this might be polarizing for the moment. But, I mean, Matt, what do you think happens if the Biden administration says you can't fly domestically, essentially, you know, across state lines uh, without getting vaccinated? Uh, I, you know, I'm... I'm I've been wondering this whole time, as I think we all have been, like when, when do we reach a point as an American people, as, as, a, as a people, that this is just, that's a line, that's, that's one line you can't cross. It's gone too far. Uh, I think a lot of us thought that we would have crossed that line a long time ago. So I would like to say that banning interstate travel among American citizens, unless you can show your papers, I would like to say that's, a, that's just a line you can't cross and that we the people would stand up and say, absolutely not. We're not going to go along with this. We're not going to cooperate. You have to put us all in prison because it's just not going to happen. Um, but I, I don't know. I think there's a certain segment of the population, a large segment, that is totally willing because they've been they've been literally scared senseless at this point. And they're totally willing to go along with it. It also doesn't make any sense, by the way, too, because um, so you're going to ban interstate travel uh, via airplane. What about what about you know if you want to drive in your car to another state? Are they going to set up checkpoints on the highway? I mean. Maybe they will, but um, I think that that's the really sad part of this whole story is how so many Americans, millions of them, have um, basically said to the government, okay, I'll give you my freedom as long as you keep me safe from this thing that for most of us poses very little threat in the end.
It is very disconcerting and honestly very disappointing how many Americans have got along with this and for how long they've done so. But Matt, appreciate your perspective. Matt Walsh, The Daily Wire, everybody go check out his latest. Thanks, Matt. Let's talk about that morning cup of joe. If you're anything like me, you gotta start your day with some caffeine. And that means kicking off my day with Black Rifle Coffee. I mean, this is the most delicious coffee you're gonna get anywhere. It's so good. And it's also a veteran owned company that serves premium coffee to people who love America. Black Rifle is continually committed to supporting veteran law enforcement and first responder causes. And this summer, Black Rifle invites you to enjoy your coffee, not just the great taste, but also the places you drink it, the passion it, and, and adventure it fuels and inspires, and the entertainment Black Rifle serves along the way. Whether you're brewing the perfect cup of pour over before kicking ass at work or cracking a can of 300 on your next backcountry mission, Black Rifle Coffee Company is here to fuel your way wherever the summer takes you. Black Rifle imports its high-quality beans from all over the world and roasts them five days a week at their facilities in Tennessee and Utah. The team at Black Rifle Coffee is always experimenting with new roasting methods and origins to bring you the best coffee you can get absolutely anywhere. Go to blackriflecoffee.com buck right now and use code buck at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Fuel your summer with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. While it was something I never imagined ever having to do, I did urge my brother to resign when the time came. My position has never changed. I never misled anyone about the information I was delivering or not delivering on this program. I never attacked nor encouraged anyone to attack any woman who came forward. I tried to do the right thing, and I just want you all to know that. CNN host Chris Cuomo breaking a silence on the potential conflict of interest in the lead up to his brother Andrew Cuomo's resignation as governor of New York. CNN anchor has been taking flack for his part in private calls with the governor's top strategist during the height of the recent sexual harassment scandal that brought Governor Cuomo down. So can we expect CNN to hold Cuomo accountable? Joining me now to discuss the founder of Young Americans Against Socialism and a contributor here at The First TV, Morgan Zeggers. Morgan, great to see you. Thanks for having me back, Buck. So it feels like we have these conversations in the conservative uh, side of things about, oh, look at this, a conflict of interest or lack of ethics or whatever. Should we actually think that they're going to hold Chris Cuomo accountable for a journalistic standards violations here? I feel like he's part of the club. 
Yeah. Oh, goodness. No, we're going to see no accountability held there. I mean, Jeffrey Tubin just did a really weird thing and they brought him back like right away to start talking about other people's scandals. And I thought that was just so funny. I will say, though, Chris Cuomo comes across so disingenuous in this. I was watching his original apology when it was first airing and I was like, this sounds like when a boyfriend cheats on you and is telling you that he would never do something like that and he's asking for your forgiveness. I just don't believe the guy. And here we are, though, being told that the Cuomo resignation is somehow proof, I don't know, that the Democrats, uh, you know, clean up their own house, so to speak. That I, I think that they believe that this ends up with a, a kind of win for the Democrat brand, even if it's damaging for the Cuomo brand. But do, do you foresee there to be uh, any introspection from the media about the fact that this was the guy, Governor Cuomo, taking a break from Chris for a second here, that they held up as a hero of the pandemic. And even after all the allegations came out, they were willing to keep talking about him like he was possible presidential contender. Of course, Buck, I'm not going to fall for their lies, for their games anymore. Let's be honest here. Cuomo is saying that he is stepping down because there were sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior in the workplace allegations. When in reality, this has nothing to do with that situation at all. He is using this situation and the Me Too movement and these women that are thinking that they're seeking justice. He's using them to get out of a much worse situation that would happen if he was actually held accountable and investigated for the nursing home and COVID-19 authoritarian practices that he played out over the last two years. So he's using the women once again to get out of a worse problem. And I think it's an absolute shame. There's a lot of women right now thinking, oh, we just won something for the Me Too movement. No, no, you're being used. Yeah, it feels like the Democrat brand at a, at a national level in terms of being the lockdowners, the Fauciites, uh, the people that listen to the science, that is preserved in, in a sense here because, because Governor Cuo, former Governor Cuomo, or soon to be former Governor Cuomo, has uh, resigned only because, at this stage at least, of what we know of the sexual harassment report that came out against him. It wasn't because of the nursing homes yet. And since there's no reckoning with that, it feels like there's no justice for the families of those who were put in undue harm because of the Cuomo executive order about nursing homes. Exactly. First of all, I don't mean to dismiss what happened to those women. I think it's great that they spoke up. And if you behave like that in the workplace, it should not be allowed. I've experienced it a lot myself, and I think it's really important for women to stand their ground on this. So good for them. The problem is that he's using this situation to get out of being held accountable for a much worse situation. The fact that thousands of people died because our governor, I'm from New York State, I'm from upstate New York, actually, he ordered COVID positive patients into nursing homes and then directed his administrative staff to start hiding that information. So they hid numbers from the population. It's very serious what he did, Buck, and he's trying to get out of it. Back to the uh, the brothers Cuomo situation here for a moment. And the reality was that as that was happening, what you just talked about, uh, Chris Cuomo was having a kind of comedy variety hour with the governor of New York, his brother, on CNN air while the pandemic was raging and people were dying in unprecedented numbers, including and in particular in those New York State nursing homes, seems to raise, Morgan, uh, the reality here of our political and media elites, which is that we shouldn't expect them to be able to, that, that the journos uh, will fairly cover politicians who they're in many ways either friends with or related to and have this 
unbelievably cozy relationship. So is that something that we just have to keep in mind going forward? Should we just assume that Democrat politicians aren't going to be covered uh, in any way with fairness by the Democrat-aligned media? Because it seems pretty obvious. Yeah, Buck, we are way past that understanding. It should be known by now. And what I'm worried about is people are so indoctrinated by this propaganda, not just fake news, propaganda that we get from the mainstream media and the left-wing media that they can't understand they're being lied to anymore. So the best thing we can do, I do know of a study from Michigan State University that said hearing things from a peer and not from an authority is actually a very effective way to reach people with an opposing viewpoint. And so I hope that encourages Americans out there to use that peer rationale, peer-to-peer communication to try and reach the other people in their lives that may be being lied to and are actually falling for it. But at the end of the day, I think what we're suffering from is we are being led by idiots. We are being led by people who are power hungry. And most importantly, Buck, they have no morals whatsoever. They are morally weak people, weak character. And I'm not talking about, you know, going to the gym and can they lift a lot? These people have no substance on the inside of their minds and it's leading to serious problems, whether it's Biden with his failure at the border, with his failure in Afghanistan or Cuomo sending COVID positive patients into homes where our most our most at-risk population is, the elderly. So this is ridiculous. And I'm really frustrated because when we talk about people leaving New York State, California, for states like Texas, states like Florida. We always say it's probably because they're sick of paying taxes, they're sick of the regulations, they're sick of the corruption. Well, we need to also start thinking about what are we doing when we decide to live in a blue state, not just, okay, we'll pay the higher taxes, but instead we're saying if a pandemic hits, if a crisis happens, I'm saying I want Governor Cuomo or Governor Gavin Newsom to be my leader through this crisis. Absolutely not. I hope people will look at these situations and say, okay, I need to change how I look at choosing my leadership for me and my family and our family's future. Morgan, always good to have you. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Buck. Coming up, one member of the squad who's a vocal advocate for extending the eviction moratorium and canceling rent raked in up to $15,000 in rental payments on an investment property last year. Oh yeah, quick hits, that's coming up. Speaking of real estate, have you ever thought about investing in real estate? Take me up on this recommendation. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out yet, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system works. I know because I'm using it successfully. It allows everyday hardworking Americans to own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during the 60 second commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, At the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate, where you can hear my personal experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail, from picking the city to the house, getting the broker, the loan, even a tenant in place, so I get that free cash flow coming to me every month, and the mortgage is getting paid down. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. Quick hits up next. Stay with us. We thought the NYC vaccine key pass was strict, didn't we? Well, Australian citizens are not allowed to remove their masks outdoors to take a sip of alcohol now. Yep. Oh, and don't even get me started on the latest COVID tyranny coming out of New Zealand. But uh, actually, well, no, get me started in quick hits with it right now. First off, New Zealand, right? Our Kiwi friends from down in the uh, Southwest Pacific, uh, they have, or yeah, 
the South Pacific, doesn't matter. <laughs> they have decided to enter nationwide lockdown after one, one COVID case. New Zealand's government took drastic action Tuesday by putting the entire nation into a strict lockdown for at least three days after finding a single case of coronavirus infection in the community. The prime minister invoked some of the stirring rhetoric she used early in the pandemic by urging the team of 5 million, the country's population, to go hard and early in trying to eliminate the latest outbreak. One COVID case, 5 million people told they can't live their lives and have to stay home. This is crazy. Now, we also have in Australia, the, uh, uh, Daniel Andrews, uh, who is one of, their, one of their politicians, issued a, a threatening decree here about this uh, where you can't remember. So, the, so in New Zealand, lockdown for one case. In Australia, where they've really kind of unveiled a dystopian COVID state for all the world to see. They've got the military out there enforcing it. Huge fines for people who break mass quarantine. This is madness. I mean, this is crazy what these people are doing. And they're Aussies. I mean, it's a country that is near and dear to Americans and that we have a lot of similarities and commonalities with. Well, now they're issuing decrees about how you can't drink alcohol outdoors with your mask off. Not allowed. There will be no removal of masks to consume alcohol outdoors. So you will no longer be able to remove your mask to drink a cocktail uh, at a pop-up beer garden on a footpath uh, as part of a pub crawl. Again, that makes you angry, but why am I angry about that? Because it devalues the work that thousands of publicans and restaurant owners and bar owners, the good work that they're doing, diligently following COVID safe protocols, providing takeaway, take away, not hang around and turn the footpath into a pub. Pubs are shut for a reason. It's not safe for them to be open. It's as simple as that. So it's take away only allowed here, meaning that if you stop to take a drink and pull your mask down and have a chat with your neighbor, because I also told you, you may remember that, Australian authorities told Aussies, don't even stop to talk to people. This is the world that we're living in now, at least that the Aussies, the Kiwis, and uh, New Zealanders, and a lot of places in the United States are going through this. Hypocrisy is central to the Democrat ethos, as you know, and this is another great case of it. Cancel rent advocate Ayanna Presley, member of the squad. Uh, well, she herself made thousands in rental income. While Massachusetts Democrat Ayanna Presley put forth a measure to slash mortgage payments and rent across the country amid the COVID-19 lockdowns, her recently filed financial disclosure forms indicate she made between five dollars and $15,000 in rental income on a property in Boston in her husband's name. So cancel rent, but she's still getting her rent payments for her investment property. Yeah, what a smart, why, why not waive that? The pandemic's so hard on people. Oh, okay, as long as she's getting her money, the rest of us are just supposed to deal with it, I suppose. That's the Democrat mantra with all this, isn't it? That's it for tonight's Hold the, Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly's coming up. Shields high. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, 
Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.